survive and thrive. This is a podcast that brings you stories and perspectives on how leaders and organizations can not only transform to survive, but thrive in change. I am your host and co-founder of Consinity, Jennifer Ayers. We're kicking off our podcast featuring 19 stories and perspectives on how COVID-19 has created an imperative for change and what leaders and organizations are doing to respond to that change. Today's episode is going to be a little different, and I'll explain why later on. First, I'd love to have you hear more about our very special guest, Steve Van Valen. Steve has certainly helped a number of companies survive pivotal transitions. I think his ideas and perspectives around how a company can thrive by focusing on creating a culture that fosters meaningful relationships, fosters creativity, and energizes a team to be a high-performing team, even during times of crisis, is what every company should be caring about. Why? Because if your people weren't questioning the value of their involvement in your company before, they are certainly doing it now. Steve is the author of The Culture Narrative Strategy and will soon be releasing a book called Amplify, which is all about guiding leaders to motivate their teams through purpose and creating meaningful work. He is also the creator and facilitator for The Breakthrough Leader to Unlock High Performance and Motivation and the creator of Spark, which is a creative collaboration method for innovation and breakthroughs. Steve and I share a real passion around unlocking an organization's real potential and helping leaders navigate the necessary changes to realize that potential. I'll let Steve say a little bit more about his background, and then we can dig into some of his insights on what I think is a timely subject given where we are with the pandemic crisis. Hey, thanks so much, Jennifer. What a pleasure to be here, and uh, I appreciate you having me and to talk about this key subject and and uh, yes, I know that you're passionate for it as well. So it'll be fun to sort of speak to the at least one in the choir today and, uh, and share some thoughts. So yeah, a little bit deeper about my background. So for many years, I helped lead the culture at QVC. And we we really tied QVC's culture and brand together to sort of have one unified, aligned package in the way we wanted to do business t- together, both on the inside and, and really reflecting that on the outside. And I I just fell in love with the whole idea of uh, culture change and seeing how it uh, really impacted people's, not, not just their performance, but literally their lives, you know, the way they felt about themselves when they, when they left the office at the end of the day and just having more joy at work. So it was deeply meaningful for me <laughs> to do that work. And uh, so I've pursued it to a greater degree with culturology and working with various clients on the, on the same subjects. And um, so I'm really happy to be here to share some of my thoughts on that. Before we go any further, I'd like to take a step back and look at culture itself. What does culture mean? What does it look like? beyond the formal definition, I, I think of it as the way things are done around here. So that those are the things that are seen and also unseen. You know, the conversations around the water cooler, the little, little actions that people take when nobody's looking, sort of the discretionary effort of what's really expected around here all adds up to what the, what the culture is. 
when we work on it as a discipline, it's really about clarifying that those expectations that we have for people and uh, not looking at it as uh, sort of a, a stick, but more of a carrot. Like if we're able to perform in this way, it's not only going to drive performance for the organization, but make this an incredible environment where you can thrive in your own world using your strengths. I couldn't agree with Steve more. Remember how I said this episode would be a little different from the previous ones? Well, as Steve and I chat today, I want to share with you some of my experiences of culture while working in consulting for over 20 years and eventually founding my own business. I've seen a lot of different cultures during that time. To me, work culture is the feeling you get working with people. I believe that culture is a part of every company, whether that company acknowledges it or not. But here's the thing. When culture goes south, it's difficult to ignore. I'm sure we've all had an experience with a toxic culture, either by working with a fuming boss or competitive coworkers. Some of you may have even left your jobs due to that environment. In the book, The Culture Question, from the Achieve Center for Leadership and Workplace Performance, they talk about the importance of nurturing a healthy workplace culture and that every company has a culture, even if it's not talked about, and no two company cultures are the same. However, every company is on the spectrum from a unhealthy culture to a healthy culture. And those companies that are on the healthy end of the spectrum have a workforce that has a strong sense of empowerment. They are able to perform and deliver high results. They have a sense of belonging and well-being, which ultimately drives the desired behavior and results for the organization. But to create a healthy culture, it must be nurtured. When I think about culture and relationship to uh, what we've just experienced with uh, the, the COVID pandemic, it, culture is a lot like a garden. If you if you think about a garden, you you do a lot of the same things. You you plan your garden and you plan your culture, what you want it to be, and then you plant it. In other words, you articulate what it is that you say that you stand for. But it doesn't stop there. If you just planted your garden and stepped back. <laughs> You're not going to get a whole lot, uh, you know, when it comes harvest time, you're going to have a lot of uh, weeds and all sorts of issues. The culture is something that you have to perpetually work on to have it be thriving. It's not something that you can just leave on its own. It needs constant nourishment, watering, and, and encouragement from leaders to really get that harvest that we all anticipate and look for from our people in terms of performance. As Steve said, Culture has not only to be something that is planned out, but it also has to be tended to consistently and carefully by leaders. This is why when I started my own business, Consinity, a positive culture was an imperative, not only for me, but for the founding partners. They wanted to be part of a fabric that wove together individuals that expressed their creativity and curiosity, but also looked out for each other and helped each other in the work that they did. We decided that enthusiasm, compassion, integrity, curiosity, authenticity, and respect describe how we as individuals want to behave and how we as the collective want to be perceived. We want to attract the best clients, 
and the best talent. We want people to feel good about working with us. At the end of the day, happy people do good things. Happy employees means happy clients. I feel proud of the work my partners and I have laid out. But then COVID hit and certainly brought a number of challenges. When we first shut down, I was thinking, oh my gosh, Armageddon. I really had no clue, like most of us, that this thing would grind our businesses to a halt. I was lucky enough to adapt to a virtual work environment quickly because I had been used to doing that before the pandemic in a consulting life. However, just like everyone else, I became all too familiar with the Zoom fatigue. My dogs might be barking in the background. There may be some other noises someone else has in their environment when they're conducting their meetings. We lost the ability to really read body language. So in a time when companies had to scramble and survive, what happened to culture? Shouldn't it be deprioritized? If culture is a garden, the garden has just experienced both a drought, a hurricane, and a, and a hailstorm, so to speak. And uh, it may literally be flattened, uh, but it's not recognizable in so much as we don't have the same elbow-to-elbow relationships that we had in the hallway, in the meeting rooms. And you know, going virtual for most people has been an enormous change in the, in the way that those relationships are built, which create clear expectations. So we have to be purposeful right now on working on it because the weeds are going to grow extra fast now that all those, you know, the drought and the hailstorm have come, the weeds are popping up and uh, people are getting really frustrated in a lot of senses that they miss that connection that they used to have with each other. In the beginning of lockdown, we at Consinity did what most people would do. We had virtual cocktail hours. We tried to keep up everybody's spirits while enjoying some spirits, if you allow me this pun. More recently, we even did a little virtual mixology class with Aaron Petrie that was a hoot. We also did some other things on our calls to just invite people to share a little bit more about themselves personally, what they were experiencing. We tried to make things more human because every day we were dealing with really human things and needs. While I'm glad we've done these activities and others, it's not exactly the same as being together face-to-face with people. Steve perfectly articulates how I and many others feel in this time. People have been amazing at rolling up their sleeves and doing the very best they can. And I think now we're sort of seeing a little bit of weariness, you know, the Zoom meetings, the lack of connection with each other. When the pandemic began, I figured it would stick around at least through the winter, but not to the extent that we've seen. One of the biggest challenges for me was staying motivated and keeping my team motivated. We all had deals on the table that vanished overnight, and there was nothing we could do but watch. The reality is, it was pain felt on both sides. Just as we were sad to lose the work, our clients were sad not to move forward with initiatives that they had planned. Each day I had to ask myself, where should I focus my energies today? How could I support my team when so much is at stake? And while I struggled to find new normal in my business, my personal life was also taking a hit. Since in March, when COVID first came out, my husband contracted COVID, and I'm pretty sure I had it as well. It certainly was a rough period, 
There was a time where we weren't really sure if he was going to come out of it okay, and there were really no options at that time except rest, drink a heck of a lot of water, take vitamin C, vitamin K, and vitamin D, and, well, pray. That's what we did. We prayed and hoped amidst the uncertainty that one thing would remain certain. This too shall pass. Fortunately, we came out of that snarl okay, and actually, we were both feeling re-energized to stay focused on the positives each day when there were so many opportunities to get mired in the negatives. I decided I needed to apply that same attitude to my business. This is where someone like Steve is extremely helpful. In times where you feel things are dragging on, Steve's expertise can really help elevate what you're doing as a leader for you and your team. So what we have to do as leaders, and I'll give you a few tips on this perhaps later on, is be more intentional about creating those relationships. It's not going to be the same. We have to go after that because that is the essence and the genesis for how great cultures perform. You mentioned uh, something I just wanted to call out to our listeners, the activity and the amount of activity that's on Zoom now. And you have a great video on the Zoom gloom syndrome and how you can continue to create engagement. People have lost their attention span for it, right? One of the things that we've done to specifically address that is try to get people off of autopilot. You know, just opening up a meeting, going into the usual thing, the leader talks and everyone sort of stares into the screen a little bit uh, while they avoid, you know, checking their texts and, and emails on their phone. The thing that a leader can do, and we're showing them how to do it, is taking specific time at the beginning of a meeting to build relationships. And what we did was we built a virtual team player playbook, which gives the a leader the opportunity to ask a question of the people around on the call, a chance to share something about themselves. You know, whether it's a strength, whether it's like, how do you want to be communicated onto? Like, what's one thing that really kind of like gets you irritated when people do it? Other questions such as like, based on growing up in your specific hometown, like what's one value that you took from that, that growing up experience that you have now as part of who you are, as part of your DNA. There's some amazing stories in this. And so these are all the conversations that sort of happen organically when we're together that we actually kind of have to go force it in a way, in a positive way. People love this because it gives them a chance to talk, to be a humanoid again, and not just a, a face on a Zoom call. And they get to know each other at a deeper level to be able to add sort of their own level of emotional intelligence to the way they respond to them. So if I knew something like that about Jennifer, you know, something personal, the way I respond to you or the way I treat you might be a little bit different. You know, just having that deeper knowledge and that personal connection, which builds that, you know, all essential trust. So I think that's really important to do. And so we built this playbook to give leaders exactly the, the directions on how to make those calls happen or, or that portion of uh, connecting personally within the, the Zoom call. I think that's a great idea. And I love your playbook. I've used it with my team. And there's a couple things that we've done, even just asking people at the beginning of the call if they're able to be fully present, because sometimes just even asking the question prompts somebody to 
come in and engage or they'll mention that they've got something pressing going on and they need to take care of it and you just need to let them go do their thing. The other thing that we've incorporated in some of our team calls is a weekly gratitude. So at the end of a call, if everybody would be willing to share a gratitude, it just creates a little bit of positive momentum in a time where so much disruption and chaos can be around us. It can help people feel very grounded and just a very simple gratitude, even if it's as simple as, I really like my cup of coffee right now. It doesn't have to be complex. If you're a founder and you're looking for better ways to engage your team and build up that connection, I highly recommend getting a copy of Steve's virtual team playbook. You can email Steve at steve at culturologyusa.com. Something Steve mentioned to me that I'd like to highlight is just seeing people as people again and not just faces on the screen. I think the pandemic has made it more difficult for us to do this, but it's also made it more necessary. For example, the other day, I was introduced to a senior executive at a large financial services organization. And the first thing he said to me when we got on the call was, how are you? How is your family? How are you feeling during all of this craziness with this pandemic? Are you healthy? I was totally caught off guard. While I consider myself a highly personable woman, It never dawned on me to start a call with a complete stranger with a question that was simply, how are you feeling? How is your health? How is your family? Which is kind of funny. Imagine that. So simple and yet so powerful. I feel this time of hardship has only revealed how important it is to have empathy and compassion for others in the workplace and in life. In fact, I believe that COVID has exaggerated everything human in our lives. What's positive means more and what's negative impacts us more as well. What can companies do during this period of isolation and disconnection? If they haven't articulated their culture yet, what a perfect time to do it because you have the built-in reason to make it happen. You don't have to stretch, well, why are we doing this? It's because we want to galvanize the resolve of this team and pull it together and move more nimbly through the crisis, uh, you know, and beyond. So if you haven't done it, what a perfect time to do it and really get people thinking about it, coming out of it. It feels new, different. It's a, it's a great direction. Now, if people have already done that at somewhere along the way and, you know, maybe they've done okay or, Maybe in some cases, it's a poster on the wall kind of culture, but something that you articulated a while ago, but you haven't really put much emphasis on. This is a great time to do what I call an an audit on those values or principles, whatever you've articulated. I mean, almost everyone has a generic value, you know, something like customer focus or commitment to excellence or teamwork or, you know, creativity. Looking at those, and those are kind of flat-footed words, but maybe you have more description underneath it, but ask each other, how have we done with this in the past? This is sort of a three-step audit. Like, how have we done in the past with these particular values? How did we do with them going through COVID? Now, that's a, that's a really good question because COVID has brought things out in the wash for better or for worse. Like certain values have risen to the top in organizations where they really counted on them and, you know, they were their anchor. 
And other ones, they realized, you know what? We fell super short on that through this time. When the chips were down, we didn't use our customer focus at all. We were all about something else. Really good to get out on the table. And then the third component, Jennifer, is what do we need more emphasis on now that we've gone through this time period in the future? Steve could not be more correct. In a situation where we're forced to change, why not change for the better? During this time, we as a company did a lot of inward focus and assessment on what work we wanted to do and what we enjoyed doing. We revisited our mission statement, our vision, our values, and we are actually on a journey now to really get very specific about our ideal state values. Steve encourages companies to utilize this period for self-assessment and self-reflection to craft a better future. If you say, well, we need more innovation, and that's one of our values, like, okay, great. How are you actually going to do that? What does it look like going forward? What are your new expectations for, for that particular value? So it gives people a chance to sort of clear the decks on what the past was, applying COVID as a sort of a turbocharger of bringing them out to the surface, and then what do you need in the future? And it gives you a roadmap uh, to go after that culture that you really want to, to perform and thrive. Why does that matter? In a survey conducted by Duke's Fuqua School of Business and completed by 1,400 CEO executives, executives overwhelmingly indicated that a healthy corporation and corporate culture is essential if they are going to be a company that thrives. Clearing the deck, as Steve mentions, has been a very helpful way to get perspective, and I know that is true for our team. COVID has forced us all to think about where it's made sense to spend our energy. As a result, some clients we won't work with again because they're just an energy suck. (laughs) And others we're so excited to reconnect with and support in their journey. We've attracted new types of customers because they see our authentic passion and interest in helping leaders navigate change. Steve believes that every company will feel the effects of how they address culture during this time. People are looking at what is going on and it it's a real, I mean, it's a lot of pressure for the leadership to say, are we living up to this culture that we said that we espoused to, right? And when things do get beyond this, I don't wanna say normal, but whatever the next thing is, people will have choices. They will not forget what happened with the culture and how leadership treated things both ways if you did not live up to it and it doesn't look like things are going to change going forward and this is a person that has a talent always has choices right if they have a choice they are going to find a better pasture where they can thrive and let's look at the positive though if you lived up to your culture or even if you didn't but you made a new commitment to it where they can see themselves playing a part in that in the future or maybe there was some vulnerability on what what went wrong and how leaders express their own role in that. And here's the important thing. What are they going to do differently going forward as a result of having that insight or epiphany for themselves? When people hear that and they feel that it's sort of a genuine expression that has some authenticity behind it, they will want to stay. So really talent hangs in the balance of the way you're treating this. 
And I think the table stakes that you mentioned are absolutely part and parcel of that and probably where you should focus your, your attention. One thing I admire greatly about Steve is that he's a real people of the people, I like to say. I love working with him. He's patient, considerate. He throws everything into the team versus just an individual. He thinks about what's best for the team. In working with many clients through this time of crisis, I asked Steve if he has uh, observations about patterns with regards to work culture. The number one thing is a disconnected component, which we uh, talked about a little bit earlier in trying to maintain relationships with each other. And they're also struggling with people innovating, you know, taking ideas and championing them, moving them forward. What I'm recommending is essentially goes back to what you'd call basics. What are the basic core fundamentals of a great culture? And I, I would liken it to a sport. So if you're a, a tennis player, I, I play golf and, and I, I play tennis. But if you're a musician, even, and let's say you found yourself in a rut or you're in a slump <laughs> playing a sport, your coach doesn't come up to you and say, hey, let's try this really avant-garde method to get you out of the slump. You know, the good coaches, and Vince Lombardi did this uh, himself as you know, a legendary coach of the Green Bay Packers. They get back to blocking and tackling. Like, what are the very basic things that are fundamental to the sport that you're in? And ironically, almost every sport, it's bend your knees, keep your eye on the ball. So I would say in culture, bend your knees. <laughs> in other words, be a little empathetic and keep your eye on the ball and, you know, listen to people and try to, you know, find out what they're thinking right now. But even the back to basics message on the subjects that people are desiring, such as like, well, how do we collaborate together? How do we infuse a sort of a natural curiosity and asking those sort of extra level curious questions to dig for things? What if we tried this? Like, how might it work if we attempted this approach? I mean, during this time, like, what could we do that would knock our competition right on their keister, right? So, it's these questions that we can ask that sort of provoke a new level of curiosity and thinking from people that can make a difference. Steve mentions to me certain values that he believes apply to any company. Some of the other basic subjects that, that I've been going after and that my clients are requesting are things as core as accountability. You know, having that attitude of ownership for the work that they do and not feeling victimized by the, the circumstances that they find themselves in. Now, that's real easy to do right now. And I, you know, let's face it, we got to cut ourselves a break to some extent and vent a little bit. But it's about ownership and uh, of accountability. Things like emotional intelligence, you know, for leaders, going back to your table stake items of, you know, things like empathy, to empathize for people. Steve offers some great advice for any leader trying to navigate their organization through change right now. For leaders right now or anybody going through change, why guess whether or not your approach is working for people? If we're in this new environment, why not say, hey, gang, is this working for you? This is another curiosity question that's, that works every single time. What might I do differently that could be more effective for you in the way I'm, I'm leading? You know, and then even get more specific. How might I lead our team meetings every Thursday afternoon? It brings some more energy and excitement to it. 
how can I get people more involved? How can I tap into your strengths right now so that you feel like you're fully engaged? It's just those kind of questions that when a leader asks them, the person on the receiving end instantly feels respected and involved. Like, wow, they, they are asking my opinion. I get a chance to chime in. They always have been thinking about it, by the way. What do you think people do all day long? We always naturally want something more from our boss. So what's keeping the boss from knowing what that information is? Maybe it's just the simple curiosity question that can unlock it for them. I love that you call out curiosity as something that's really precious right now, because I think especially we do not have all the information in a normal environment. And many of us, I know I'm guilty of this, draw conclusions in our head about people, about circumstances, you name it, that are just false, because there's no way that any of us have all the facts at any given point. So when you apply pressure to that situation, suddenly you're accelerating to an answer or to a solution. You're trying to get out of the immediate crisis and curiosity can go out the window. And I think there's an opportunity to take a breath, take a step back, ask explorative questions, which can foster new solutions or new ideas that might present something to you that you didn't see before or a way out that you didn't see before, or even just take a little bit of stress off of your shoulders. I can think of examples that I have have had personally where I had made some conclusions. And then when I stepped back and asked some curious questions, I realized, wow, actually that I didn't have to worry about that. That wasn't something I needed to worry about. And we've got enough to worry about already. I think we're all at the top of our game when we're asking more questions. It takes a lot of discipline to do so. And it actually sort of leaves you vulnerable. First of all, you don't know what the answer may be. Can I actually live up to that? Not 100% sure. And it also makes it sound like, well, you don't know all the answers, which is always like one of my sort of self-conscious barriers that I've had to knock down over the years. But I know when I'm having a great relationship or a great day or a great meeting, when I am that curious person that, that's willing to throw it out there and uh, be willing to hear and listen to the answer. As Steve has said, we need to find new ways to facilitate the type of information we would otherwise be receiving or picking up in person. Asking your coworkers or employees questions about what's going on, just how they're feeling, is a great way to accomplish this. One of our team members and I had a meeting recently when we had a bit of important work to get done. However, I could tell she was feeling pretty down. So I just said, hey, tell me what's going on. Do you want to talk about it? And we spent time talking about a really difficult situation that she was navigating through in that moment. I found that when someone's down, maybe something's up. And it's important to really probe in a gentle way, in a kind way, and ask have empathy. There's that word again. We've talked about that before a few times. The other opportunity right now with cultures and whether you're leading a gigantic culture or even a a team of two people, it's a culture. All culture is local, we like to say, is to really galvanize resolve by being more overt about the purpose of the work that you're doing. And the simple way that you can do that is to clarify goals and and break them down into increments so that people can have small wins. 
It's the power of small wins. And this is especially important in a crisis kind of environment where people are wondering about their own level of confidence is to make progress against these small goals. And I'm talking about, I go really extreme on this. What are you trying to accomplish today? By the end of the day, when you hang up your laptop, like what would you feel good about having accomplished? What do you, what's in that sweet spot for you, that clear goal? And knowing that gives you that target. And so you don't have to micromanage people. Did you do it? Did you do it? Did you do it? But to really identify it, how, you know, how might I support you in that as a leader? What else do you need? What do you need any resources? Do you need, do you need to brainstorm anything that would help you out with that? Can I make a connection with you for, you know, somebody that you're trying to influence on it? These are the way we un unpack it and give and help people with the small wins without micromanaging them. So in a sense, it's, it's really being their advocate by sharing that purpose of what we're going after and saying, I'm willing to roll up my sleeves to help not do it for you, but do it with you as a, as a partner, because your success is certainly my success and we are in it together. Something I'd like to emphasize in trusting and respecting your partners. Over the years, I have come to realize that if you set expectations high, people will rise to those expectations when given the tools and the freedom to express their creative means to get there. If you dictate every detail, as Steve says, micromanaging, you're setting a low bar and conveying that you don't trust them. Not a great way to get your culture to a healthy place. One way I've tried to help my partners adapt to COVID is by allowing them to run their own schedule. We respect each other's personal needs, and as a result, some partners are on calls at 9 p.m. Sunday night, and others are doing things at 6.30 in the morning on Tuesdays. But you know what? Everything gets done, and it gets done well. Let's face it. When we can look people in the eyes, especially our boss and, and other key peers, and we have that feeling, Jennifer, that we know they have our back that they are for us, that they are advocating for our success, that that translates into this magical equation where we do things that go supersede all expectations. It's high level of discretion, area effort, right? That we'll do because that trust is built between us. So I would just encourage people, it's that's something that would carry over if we had this conversation 20 years from now, but especially now, to try to thrive in this environment, it'll be especially rewarded in the way people receive that on their end. So I just want to encourage people to do that. So important. So important. Couldn't agree more, Steve. Thank you for sharing that. Before wrapping up today's episode, I want to mention that Steve has come up with some fantastic acronyms for COVID, and I wanted Steve to share one with you today. When uh, this first hit back in March and April, I mean, we're st we still can't totally get away from it. But the word COVID is in every headline of every email and on the news and every you know, everywhere you look, COVID. And I was like, it was getting me down to the point where I, I just couldn't even open those emails, look at things, you know, read another or watch another webinar on it. And so I said, I'm going to have to try to reframe this to something positive. So I, I translated COVID into control over the value I deliver, because that's the only thing you control. <laughs> I 
I can't control COVID. I can't control what happens with the pandemic or how, even how people respond and react to it, but I can control the value I personally deliver. So here's the challenge that I gave myself and I want to give uh, the listeners. Every time you hear the word, think of it as that acronym in action. What is the, and it's a question back to you. What is the, what do you have control over? What value do you deliver? And think about that in the moment. It may be as simple as like, if you're sitting on the couch and it's in the evening and your, your young daughter is a, a up in her room, like doing gaming, like go up and say, open the door and say, you know what? I just want to tell you, I love you. See you later. I have control over that. In other words, those are the little actions which we can do. Now that's a personal one, but when you think about it in the, in the business world about how, you know, thinking about what we control and focusing on that, and that will give us the value that we uh, can deliver. It helps to reduce some of that stress that we have. That is great. I love the challenge and I accept the challenge and I encourage all of our listeners to accept that challenge. So, well, we will make sure that our listeners know how to get a hold of you, Steve. And I thank you again so much for taking the time today. It's always really wonderful to to talk to you and to get ideas from you. And I just really appreciate the value that you bring in in our discussion today. So thank you so much. Thank you. I'm a huge fan of of your work. And I just appreciate the fact you've put the podcast together to really help people think through this. And uh, I hope it is helpful and uh, more than happy to jump in and brainstorm with people on how they can take things to the next level as well. If you'd like to know more about Steve and his methods, you can find him on LinkedIn as Steve Van Valen or at culturologyworks.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening and joining this episode of our Survive and Thrive podcast. Remember, at Consinity, we empower the conscious leader to realize positive and sustainable change. Until next time, survive and thrive. Take care.